1: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
3: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael.
1: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Challenging on those levels.
4: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Fuck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: President Biden has returned from his trip to Europe where he met with our allies to discuss the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine. So how did the president do during his overseas outing? Well, between implying America would use chemical weapons on Russia, telling U.S. troops they were headed to Ukraine, and telling the world we're going to topple Vladimir Putin, let's just say we're pretty lucky he hasn't accidentally started World War III. Friends, it is time for hold the line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. Biden over the weekend in Warsaw trying to rally our NATO allies and establish a coalition to stop this war in Ukraine. The Russian war of aggression continues on, but it wasn't from a diplomatic and messaging point of view anything near the slick and uh, and established Joe Biden that some had pretended we'd see on the international scene. No, instead, Joe Biden had a number of major gaffes, the kind of gaffes that people would, under a different president, say President Trump, really worry about and make a whole lot of noise about how it could have even started World War III. There'd be hysteria all across the media. Let's just start with some of what Joe Biden's saying here. And this all goes, let's remind ourselves, to the fact that this is a guy who is too old for the job, should not have been put in this position, is not of sound enough mind to be the president of the United States but they won't talk about the 25th Amendment with Joe like they did with Trump, of course. Here's Joe Biden saying that NATO would respond in kind to a chemical weapon attack in Ukraine from Russia. Watch this.
3: To clarify
2: on chemical weapons, could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO?
3: It It would trigger a response in kind whether or not you're asking whether NATO would cross, but we'd make that decision at the time. Now, look,
0: I get it. He probably meant to say, I would assume he meant to say, a proportionate response to the usage of chemical weapons in Ukraine. But it's important that Joe Biden get this stuff right. He is, for better or for worse, I think we see quite clearly, usually for worse, the leader of the free world He is the commander-in-chief of the most powerful military on the planet. Him saying things like, we'd respond to chemical weapons in kind, is a blunder. A blunder that people like Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, have to spend time clarifying afterwards what the words of the commander-in-chief were supposed to be. Here is Jake Sullivan doing just that.
1: Biden at the press conference yesterday said that if Russia uses chemical weapons in Ukraine the United States and NATO will respond in kind which would seem to imply using chemical weapons back. Is that what he meant by in kind? You heard him in another answer say we'll respond accordingly meaning um, you know we will select the form and nature of our response based on the nature of the action Russia takes. And we'll do so in coordination with our allies. And we've communicated uh, to the Russians, as the president said publicly a couple of weeks ago, that there will be a severe price if Russia uses chemical weapons.
0: Okay, so clean up on aisle, oh my God. That was the first one. There'll be more of that coming up here in a moment. Remember, Joe Biden has been sold to the American public as a candidate for many years now as a steady hand. He is a tried and true, a tested member of the foreign policy elite. That's what they say. In reality, Joe Biden is a guy who's neither intellectually nor ethically particularly impressive, doesn't have a grasp of world affairs or even of the good guys and bad guys, that gut instinct sense that would be useful at a moment like this. No, instead, Joe Biden just says the usual platitudes. And then when he goes off script and adds in something of his own, it gets messy. Joe Biden here was telling uh, troops in Poland that they're going to see women and young people standing in the middle, in the front of a damn tank, saying, I'm not leaving. Watch this
3: one. And you're going to see when you're there, some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of the front of a damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. They're incredible. Okay, yet again,
0: because these are some of the major concerns we have in this moment about how the U.S. responds to the situation in Ukraine. You have Biden saying, you will see. Now, this one was a little bit more of a a context issue. I think you say Joe Biden saying, you will see on TV or in social media or whatever the case may be. But the White House felt the need to clarify because this had to do with U.S. troops in Ukraine, which is a major point of contention and consideration at this point in time. The White House clarified on troops in Ukraine, the president has been clear, we are not sending U.S. troops to Ukraine, and there is no change in that position. Now, that one I'm going to say is the most of the three cleanup on aisle, oh my God, moments here. uh, That one was the the most mild in the sense that it's understandable he could say to the military, you would see, but needs to be careful when talking to the military who are currently in Poland and and defending NATO allies that he doesn't seem to suggest that we might be at some point in the near future actually deploying U.S. troops into this war in Ukraine. And then there was the big one, the one that really overshadowed everything else Biden said in that Warsaw speech. Here he is saying, for God's sakes, well, let's just just let the president say it, uh, but I would point out this. The notion of regime change is one of the most contentious areas of foreign policy discussion right now, given what's gone on in the U.S. over the last 20 years. Here's Biden making what sounded to many like a plea for regime change in Russia. Watch.
1: A
4: dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never erase the people's love for liberty. Brutality will never
3: grind down their will to be free. Ukraine. Will never be a victory for Russia. For free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power.
0: This man cannot remain in power. That man, Vladimir Putin, yeah, he's a bad guy. Uh, He also is the authoritarian premier of the Russian Federation, which is currently at war in Ukraine, and with whom Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is going to have to come to some kind of agreement, a deal to end this conflict. It is considered highly unhelpful by anybody watching this for the president of the United States to put forward the notion, while there are ongoing negotiations between Russia and Ukraine, that Russia's leadership needs to change and that Russia needs to go through either a coup or regime change from the outside. The White House, by the way, has walked back Biden's comments on this. They said the president's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors or the region. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime change. Uh, Again, this is the White House having to walk back an area of Joe Biden's uh, misstep on the national stage. This is the area where Joe Biden's supposed to shine. And when you look at the polls, it's clearly not happening. Uh, It's very obvious that Joe Biden is not rising to this moment in any meaningful way. In fact, if anything, he's sloppy and showing people that he's lost more than a step. And on this issue of regime change, because this is a big one. I mean, This was something that really caught attention, not just across the country, but all around the world. They even had to have not just the official written statement from the White House, which we just read to you, but also Secretary of State Antony Blinken clarifying, oh, no, no, trust us, the U.S. is not trying to, uh, trying to topple Vladimir Putin. Watch this one. Um, I think uh, the President, the White House, uh, made the point last night that, quite simply, uh, President Putin cannot be empowered to wage war uh, or engage in aggression uh, against Ukraine uh, or anyone else. As you know, and as you've heard us say repeatedly, we do not have a, a strategy of regime change in Russia or anywhere else for that matter. Uh, in this case, as in any case, it's up to the people of the country in
3: question. It's up to uh, the Russian people.
0: No regime change, they say. Will they stick to that? We'll see. We'll have more on President Biden's blunders and gaffes and the latest in the war in Ukraine with senior fellow at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, Bill Roggio coming up. Right now, let's talk about one of the unforeseen consequences of all the situation that uh, that's unfolding right now in Europe, the invasion of Ukraine, is the kind of chaos that foreign identity thieves actually love because it's an easy target now for a lot of people online. They click on things, they don't know what they're getting. There are appeals for aid going out there. Hackers are all over the place, and you know where they're trying to hack first and foremost if they can. Your home, not your credit card. That's small time stuff. These hackers want our homes. The crime is home title theft, it's not exploding in the U.S. and no. And rather, it is exploding in the U.S., and you're not covered by homeowners insurance or common identity theft services. The problem is this. The title to our homes are kept online. An online identity thief knows that his big payday is as easy as forging your signature stating you sold your home to him. Now he'll take out loan after loan against your home, and you won't know until the collection calls start or you get an eviction notice. How do you protect your home from title theft? Go to your county recorder's office and check your home's title every day. Or you can register your address at HomeTitleLock.com to see if you're already a victim. This is how we protect our most valuable asset. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Bill Roggio stops by when we come back. Stay with us. There's a battle going on right now that may be the most important fight our country's had since the Revolutionary War. Once again, it's about our freedom. People like you and me are being canceled, our speech increasingly censored by big tech and corporate media. Can't let that happen. Time to fight back. Please stand with us and support the first TV. Be a part of our team dedicated to preserving the very essence of who we are,
3: free Americans.
1: Je pense qu'il faut d'abord être factuel et ensuite, en effet, tout faire pour ne pas que la situation dérape. Je n'utiliserai pas ce genre de propos parce que je continue de discuter avec le président Poutine. Parce que quel que voulons-nous faire collectivement? Nous voulons arrêter la guerre que la Russie a lancée en Ukraine sans faire la guerre Sans escalade.
0: French President Emmanuel Macron distancing himself from earlier comments made by President Biden who declared that Russian President Vladimir Putin quote cannot remain in power. As we discussed earlier the Biden gaffes could have some real life consequences if he's not careful as the world stands on the precipice of World War III according to a lot of leaders Europe here all over the place. Joining me now is Senior Fellow at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, Bill Roggio. Bill, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure, Buck. Thanks for having me. Okay, look, it's it's a bit of a partisan political sport to make the most of the gaffes of the other side. And obviously, every Trump gaffe was the, the end of civilization and, and you know the world as we knew it. But I do think that when the White House has to walk back, Three statements by a President overseas talking about an issue of war in less than a week. there's something up here. I mean, it does feel a bit like Biden's the loose cannon,
5: yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, this isn't a gap of a you know, domestic political nature. This is a gap. you know we're you're talking about um a country that possesses nuclear weapons. And you're talking about wanting to or stating the president of your country stating that he wants to remove that president from power. It plays into all of Putin's conspiracies for and It helps him go to his people. And continue the fight in Ukraine. It helps Putin say to the Russian people: see, this is what they want to do to us. They want to humiliate us. They want to remove your president from power. It's, you know, the fact that, you know, people are saying, well, this could be some type of you know veiled message. There's nothing veiled about it, first of all. And second of all, the White House was walking this back within minutes of the statement by the president. This was a mistake, and this is a mistake of the first order. It's one, you know, we just watched Macron's statement about this. This is something that terrifies NATO leaders. This uh, And what is the, by the way, what does, does this mean that Putin is more or less likely to dig his heels and continue the fight in, in Ukraine?
0: Well, I also try to try to give some context to this by thinking what our reaction would be if let's say Putin said this war cannot end until Zelensky is gone. He may have said something like that. I haven't seen it yet, but maybe to bring it home more, I won't negotiate with Zelensky until President Biden is gone, right? We would react to a regime change call from Putin involving us or involving our, any of our allies with uh, substantial outrage, and and the very suggestion would make us feel on edge about it. And Joe Biden just kind of threw it out there at a
3: speech about Vladimir Putin.
5: So you're absolutely correct, Buck. And the, the problem is in this war, we can't talk about Things like Putin's motivations, what the Russians are thinking, how statements like this may um incentivize or disincentivize them from continuing the fight. That makes you and I a Putin apologist, a Putin lover, or a pro-Russian or something. We have to understand that our enemies have motivations for fighting, and they have perceptions of statements like this that that drive them. So, yeah, of course, we would if if Putin said, he won't withdraw from Ukraine until the U.S. changes its presidency. We would be outraged by this, and rightfully so. Uh, now, the fact that the, the opposite may be happening on the other side, on the Russian side, you know, just us pointing that out doesn't mean that there, there's a problem with us. It's, it's maddening.
0: Now, in terms of the situation on the ground, we're a month into this invasion by Russia and Ukraine. And so how, how, how are you adjusting your analysis and your estimate of where this stands. I mean, what is the the uh, battlefield state of play right now?
5: Yeah, and so I think if you recall, we when we first began discussing this, I had said this could take weeks, this could take months. I think we're going to be looking at the months point right now. The Russians are in firm control of areas in the east and in the south. Uh, the I've always questioned whether Kiev was the primary goal for the Russians. I've always held out the possibility that it it perhaps was a feint or a way to, to bleed off Russian forces from fighting in the south and the east. That may or may not be true. The Russians can be reorganizing. The Russians, certainly that front has become static around Kiev. But in the south and in the east, the the Russians continue to slowly advance and are continuing to threaten to encircle tens of thousands of Ukrainian troops. If this continues, but this isn't a lightning process. We have to remember in past mechanized warfare. We could look at Iraq. It took 42 days for the U.S. to conquer Iraq, or we could look at the the German invasion of Poland or the German invasion of France. Those were multi-month operations themselves. So we are certainly on that timeline of looking at months, and I don't hold out the possibility that the Ukrainians can win. I've said that from the beginning as well. I think it's unlikely. I think the Russians, you know, Putin is in this. He is all in. It's, if he backs down from this, he falls. Um, and um, we might not be happy, by the way, with who replaces Putin. Remember, when when the U.S. and, and the West pushed for Boris Yeltsin to leave in the night, late 1990s, we got Vladimir Putin.
0: Ukrainian President Zelensky said something to reporters earlier today that was interesting. It almost sounds like he's at a point of uh, compromise or concession here to try to get this thing, this war, to end. uh, The quote is, I understand it's impossible to make Russia give up the territory completely, that it will lead to World War III. I understand completely. I'm aware. That is why I'm saying, yes, this is a compromise indeed. Come back to where it all started, and we'll try to resolve the question of the Donbass, uh, he also made a similar statement about being ready to consider neutrality. Do you see these as signs that there is real movement toward a, a ceasefire and a settlement to end the war?
6: What I think this
5: really, the Russians, when they're ready, when they believe they've achieved their objectives or come close to it, I think that's when you'll see serious efforts at negotiations on the Russian side. Right now, the Russians are saying they're nowhere near. Um uh, having a beneficial point of where they could where, you know, their talks can be beneficial. Zelensky on the other side concedes every other day seems to be conceding points. He won't join NATO, he consider neutrality, he you know, consider discussing the issue of the Donbas. He's also said that he's not going to surrender territory. But the fact is, is how do the Russians leave if unless they want to, particularly in areas in the south and east where they are entrenched and they've fought hard? So I think what his statements show that Zelensky is coming to realize, I think he's realized this for the last several weeks, that his situation is not improving. He may be slowing down, or in the case of Kiev's, halting Russian advances for the time being. Um, I think he actually recognizes the situation on the actual military situation on the ground is grim and NATO is not coming to the rescue.
0: So where do you think this heads from here? What are you expecting? What are you expecting to see in the days ahead?
5: Yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of the same of the last couple of weeks. Slow grinding fighting. We have reports of this town switching here, this town switching there, um, back and forth between. the. I think that's the nature of the fight. I don't think the Russians come to the table seriously come to the table until they believe they've achieved their military objectives, particularly in the east and in the south. It's unclear do the Russians want to press for Odessa. It seems like they're pressing northwards um, and looking to cleave off the eastern half of Ukraine. But this can change. It's uh, you know, we're we're watching this war in snapshots, with daily snapshots. We have thirty-one days. War, conventional wars take time. They can take months. They can take years. It's uh, that really is up to, I think, up to the Russians at this point.
3: Bill, always appreciate the expertise, my friend. Good to see you. Thanks, but Always a pleasure, Buck. The Oscars failed to draw major viewership last night, but Will Smith
0: slapping comedian Chris Rock across the face generated a lot of headlines this morning. We have more on that with conservative commentator John Cardillo coming up after the break. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed. We know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms out there. Look, privacy is a big issue. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data, never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your banker, doctor, et cetera, with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to Secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo
3: code BUCK for 25% off. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow.
3: Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me.
4: My name, out your
1: Wow, dude. Yes. It was a GI
3: Jane job. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to. A slap heard
0: round the world. A shocking scene at last night's Academy Awards when actor Will Smith walked up on stage and slapped comedian Chris Rock across the face after Rock made a joke about his wife Jada Pinkett Smith. The actor then gave a tearful apology to the Academy moments later in his first ever award acceptance speech, which some people are now saying he should actually be stripped of. Joining me now with reaction on this and perhaps some other topics we'll get to as well, former NYPD cop and conservative commentator John Cardillo. John, good to see you. Hey, Buck. How are you? What a mess! What was your look? I I I happened. I just. I swear, John. I just happened to be watching. A little portion of the oscars randomly i was with friends last night at at someone's home and they said hey aren't the oscars on and it was on a few minutes all of a sudden i was like this is the most boring thing i've ever seen in my life and then this happened i mean what what's your take on the whole ever the whole country's talking about it it's all over the news i mean i I know on one level it's like it's we got bigger problems but on the other it's like what the hell happened here
6: yeah you know look all kidding aside i when we were kids The Oscars were like a big thing. I'm a little bit older than you, but even so, into the 80s, 90s, they were a big thing. I forgot the Oscars even existed. So when I logged on this morning and I saw this, uh, you know, all these hashtags, Will Smith, Chris Rock, all the trending stuff, I had no idea what was going on. So when I watched it, I don't know. My first reaction is that looks pretty staged. And the reason I say that, number one, Will Smith's a big guy. All right, he's in pretty good shape. Chris Rock didn't even budge, and he's pretty frail. I used to see him out quite a bit when I lived in New York. That all aside, though, the last few days uh, leading up to the Oscars, which, not kidding, didn't even know when they were on, even Drudge, which has gone far left, had ran a headline that the Oscars were in danger of essentially being detelevised. Nobody was watching them. There's no interest. The public, let alone the Oscars, doesn't even go to watch the movies that are being featured uh, or, or nominated, or the people that are being nominated. I don't know. A big part of me thinks this was a PR stunt to try to generate interest and make the Oscars unpredictable. You know, maybe next year, maybe next year, there'll be more unpredictable. Somebody will
0: I don't know, punch somebody in the face, not just slap uh, them. So, I don't know. So walk me through face. Walk me through this though, John. I mean, like Will Smith is one of the most, if it were some person that was up and coming, Will Smith is one of the most famous actors in the world, right? I mean, this guy, you know, he's making what, 20 million a movie, give or take. I mean. And he was winning the Best Actor award, so I mean, his how? how if let's let's just, let's say that your your theory here that it was staged. What does Will Smith have to get? Like he doesn't give a crap about the Oscars, does he? So why would he be why would he be in on it? you know what I'm saying? Like that's the part of it that wouldn't add up to me.
6: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. Hey, Bucky probably makes more than twenty million a movie because he and his wife often are executive producers of the films he stars in. Will Smith is probably making fifty, hundred million on the movies that do very well. So yeah, you raise a good point. What's his dog in the fight? Is it to, you know, his Will Smith is an A-lister of A-listers, but his wife really isn't anymore. Is he helping out her career? Does this make her more marketable? Because here's what I just didn't find as I watched the replays, anything Chris Rock said to be really that controversial. Will Smith's wife has short hair. He made a G.I. Jane joke. I mean, it was mild in the grand scheme of Chris Rock humor.
0: Yeah, that well, that part of it was, I think, for sure, the reaction for a lot of people, including Chris Rock, who, whatever the, the situation was leading up to it, I, I think it is, a, you know, it is a clear point that he's like, I, I wasn't even really, that wasn't the harshest. I mean, Ricky Gervais was making fun of people's real alcoholism and stuff at the Golden Globes, if you remember. You know, he made the joke about uh, Robert Downey Jr. So, I mean, you know, he was going after some really... Uh, r- really sensitive uh, targets there among people. Anyway, uh, also I thought it was interesting though, John, just to see. So there. Let's assume. Let's assume for this purpose. I mean, I actually think that Will Smith just had a meltdown and this is real. But put that aside. I don't know. Okay. And I mean, and my, my my first reaction was this is clearly staged. But the more I watched it, I was like, it looks like his face. He actually gets hit. And you could. T- anyway, neither here nor there. Just for the purpose of the conversation, let's assume that this actually happened. Were you surprised at how many people came out? And said, Yeah, that's right. Someone says something you don't like about your wife, hit them in the face. I was like, guys, I don't I don't think that's a, it's certainly not the law. And I also think that's not really the way we want to go about this.
6: Well, I mean, listen, Buck, if somebody says something real uh, You you and your wife, you and your girlfriend walk into a bar or restaurant, and you're just two private people, not as famous as Buck Sexton, the A lister of radio, the new king mm, of all media. A We're not as famous <laughs> No. But you're a private person. Some guy gets rude with your wife, makes a sexual innuendo, inappropriately hits on her. That's one thing. But Jada Pinkett Smith is a public figure. And as we just said, this was a really mild, innocuous joke. It wasn't funny, but it wasn't something. Look, I always look at things through the lens of how would their kids feel? I don't think their children would have been particularly offended that Chris Rock made a short-haired G.I. Jane joke about their mom. I mean, this was nothing. The whole thing is just really weird. So then if it's not staged, does it just show us what thin-skinned little, hmm, you know, celebrities really are? That they can get up there and and, and say whatever they want about anything, but they can't take 11 seconds of being the butt of an innocuous, unfunny joke. Could be that as well. Will Smith's been celebrated for so long, right?
0: We, he just got the award right after. I mean, minutes after this happened, they brought him up on stage that he was the best actor all year. And yeah. also note that to your point about the profession, because I totally agree. But someone, someone says something to your wife at a bar. You say something back. They square off against you. You know, maybe you throw the first punch because you think they're coming at you. Different situation. Yeah. We're talking about the Academy Awards. everyone's in black tie. Jokes are being made, and in a professional setting, like if I was doing a radio show and I made a joke, and someone walked over to me that was a uh, you know was also in the business. I wouldn't think they're going to punch me. Like, they could sucker punch me. I would never expect they'd do that, right? And So there was, uh, there was definitely, like, a sucker punch aspect of it, too. Again, assuming that this is real, which I think it was, but who, whatever. The Academy, by the okay. way, John, put this out. The Academy does not condone violence in any form. Tonight, we are s- delighted to celebrate our 94th Academy Awards who deserve this moment of recognition from their peers and movie lovers around the world. You know, there are people saying that Will Smith should lose his Oscar over this. Do you think that that's actually oh, going to gain any steam? And And also, beyond that... I mean, to your point, it just feels like Hollywood doesn't have the cultural resonance and power that it used to. Unfortunately, it's moved to Netflix, Amazon, Twitter, TikTok. You know, that's really what I think is driving a lot of cultural perception, much more so than Hollywood.
3: Oh, yeah, 100
6: percent. Look, look at the irony of that tweet from the Academy. They don't condone violence in, quote, any form, in any form. The backbone of their industry are violent movies of people shooting each other up. I mean, that in and of itself is such a tone-deaf tweet. And and the other thing that's moronic are these people saying, Will Smith should be arrested. Dave Ehrenberg, who I know, Dave's a good guy. He's the state attorney, what we call the district attorney, of Palm Beach County down here. Dave Ehrenberg is calling for Will Smith to be arrested and prosecuted, even without Chris Rock as a complaining witness and a complaining victim. (laughs) Then he goes on to say in subsequent tweets, well, but if Will Smith says it's staged and Chris Rock doesn't want to cooperate, there is no criminal charge. The fact that elected prosecutors are debating this with everything else going on in the world, a little tap, Will Smith gave him a smack and it was real. Chris Rock recovered fine, didn't even look like he was in pain. That's what we're going to waste resources of the criminal justice system on. Meanwhile, in New York City, you can, you can carjack somebody at gunpoint and you don't go to prison. You don't go to jail, you can charge a petty larceny. They're really, they're really calling the prosecutors to lock a guy up for smacking another guy? Yeah, I mean, the world stunning. is upside down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure, John. Hey, always good to see you, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, bud. Take care. The scope of unforeseen consequences due to COVID-19 mandates and lockdowns is starting to become clearer as a new study shows a dramatic rise in alcohol-related deaths during the pandemic. We'll have more on that with the First TV's TNLO when we come back. But first, I want to tell you about my new special available to First TV subscribers. Hunter Biden's name has become synonymous with nepotism and graft. Between his unsavory lifestyle, his shady business dealings overseas, and a misplaced laptop which exposed his corruption to American voters, the president's scandal-ridden son has become a political liability and a PR nightmare for the White House. You're not going to want to miss my first TV special, American Scandal, Hunter Biden, where we delve into the life and corruption of Joe Biden's son, Hunter. This special is available only to First TV subscribers. Go to thefirsttv.com
3: or thefirsttv to watch now. We'll be right back with the First TV's TNLO. Stay with us. As the COVID-19 pandemic is transitioning into an endemic, the world is starting to understand the scope of the
0: unforeseen consequences that came with long-term lockdowns and restrictions. In a recent study, the New York Times reported that, quote, the number of people in the U.S., who died of alcohol-related causes soared during the pandemic as routines were upended, support networks frayed, and treatment was delayed. The study found that deaths were up 25% in 2020 from alcohol-related issues compared with 2019. All right, here to discuss the full impact of the pandemic's collateral damage is first contributor, or rather first TV contributor, Tiana Lowe. Tiana, good to see you.
3: Hey, Buck.
0: So we're starting to see this now. I think they're rolling it out pretty slowly because there were people who the whole time were saying, hey, can we take into account what this will do to missed cancer screenings, for example? Can we take into account what this will do to the mental health of people who are locked away from seeing family members, from being able to do their normal day-to-day activities, from being able to go to the gym, from being able to be in public playgrounds? The effect on the men uh, minds rather of children and their education. All of this, it's like the bill has come due, or long ago, really came due, and a lot of people are now starting to say, "Hold on a second, you mean that trying to partially halt society to stop an aerosolized virus that we have no prayer of actually stopping isn't necessarily a good trade-off?" What a shock, Tina. I mean, we
2: knew from the very beginning that there was no sense of you know cost. Benefit analysis in terms of protecting the people who needed it the most. I mean, it was Andrew Cuomo who sent, you know, all of the COVID-positive seniors into the nursing homes. And those were the people who needed the most protection. You know, while in California, they upped the rules so that way little kids had to wear surgical grade or higher masks. The CDC's official guidance was that people, you know, in ICUs and ERs couldn't use N95, they had to use surgical masks, which are less effective. So none of this made any sense because we didn't protect the most vulnerable. Instead, we sort of persecuted the least vulnerable, while putting the most vulnerable in active danger in some cases at the beginning of this thing. Um, the, the, with regards to the specifics of you know not just even alcohol, but also among teenage girls, ER admittances for suicide attempts and mental health crises, We took a disease that 95% of those killed have been over the age of 50. I believe it's 95% of all COVID deaths have happened in in, in adults over the age of 50 and overwhelmingly those with comorbidities. So we traded maybe reducing that ever so slightly to catastrophically increasing causes of death for younger people. Things like alcohol and substance abuse. Things like suicide and mental health crises. And there, and there was never there was never any grace from the public health experts in saying, is this really how we're going to design public policy by focusing on one cause of death and ignoring all the others? How many missed cases of cancer will we have because they missed those screenings? And in a lot of these ways, you know, there's a lot of debate about substance abuse in particular, if it is a progressive disease. That is after a certain point, does it only get worse before you know someone hits rock bottom or whatnot? And you know, hopefully those who say it's progressive are wrong because if not, then we're only seeing the very beginning of what the lockdowns did in terms of these deaths. because how many people just started you know drinking more and using drugs during the pandemic? And even though things have you know reopened, That's a hard trend to reverse, especially if you were in a lockdown area for, you know, two plus years.
0: Well, also, you know, when you bring up alcoholism and and, uh, mental health issues, Tina, I've seen as this debate now begins to play out with more, a little bit more honesty in the public because of the numbers. And as as we see with the alcohol death and alcohol abuse numbers, I mean, they're catastrophic and there are people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, you know, up into their 50s, um, primarily who are being affected by some of those issues. And of course, there are mental health issues. I mean, people act like, well, that's on the individual suffering from them more, whereas COVID is just a thing that anybody catches. We locked people in their homes and said, you can't go to work. You can't go to school. You can't do your job. You can't go to parks. You have to wear a a stupid mask over your face all the time. And you should be terrified. That's going to have a massive public mental health impact as well. And And I feel like the Fauciites need to answer for this. And I mean that publicly there, there need to be real hearings on Capitol Hill and, and just gen, in general, as a country, we need to sit down and have a conversation about how the hell did this happen to us?
2: And especially it's pretty disappointing. It's pretty disappointing how the wokes haven't realized how regressive this was in terms of, you know, poverty and, and race and whatnot. The people who are the quote unquote least privileged, this did impact them the, the most, you know, I think we all knew rich people who were able to decamp to you know, their parents' vacation home in the Hamptons or already lived in a big home where they had a backyard and lived in a suburb with good policing. If you were in any of these cities in you know, the summer of 2020, not only were you locked in your tiny apartment where you know the bargain we all make to live in cities is we're gonna have a smaller place, but more communality outside, public parks, public transit. Those were all shut down and then rendered utterly ineffective when you had city centers being torn apart every single night by Antifa in response to the BLM you know, protests and rioting. And so, yeah, I would not be surprised when we look at you know, the distribution of weight gain and the distribution of substance abuse um, increase during the pandemic if it did affect people who are the poorest, you know, if you're wealthier and you had, you know, backyards and safe neighborhoods to still go on runs in, that was one thing, you were in a city center. If you were stowed away in a tiny apartment, it'd be a little crazy not to be driven to some of these things. My gosh, especially well, want- if you really did all the right things and followed all the rules.
0: I wanted to bring this to your attention, uh, Tina. A Politico Harvard survey uh, says that a significant percentage of parents whose children wore masks in school during the last year believe it harmed their education, social interactions, and mental health. More than four in ten believe mask wearing harmed their children's overall scholastic experience compared to only 11% who said it helped. Nearly half of parents said masks made no difference. The parents who say masks made no difference, I'll I'll kind of accept that, although obviously masks are uncomfortable, annoying, and there's a lot of symbolism that goes along with that's a problem. Um, But I feel like our work here is not done until we have 90 percent of parents saying this was this was terrible. Like this was child abuse that was forced on us by government and state and local institutions. And there needs to be a reckoning, quite honestly.
2: I mean, but let's frame it more like this. One in 10 parents said that something that was mandated by the government Without a city council vote in most of these cases, right? Most of these, it was not city council members who represent people who voted for them imposing these mass mandates. It was just appointed bureaucrats. One out of 10 parents said it was helpful. And let's not even think about it in terms of, oh, half said it did nothing. No, half said it was effectively useless. Useless is the best way of thinking it. That is bad for a mandate. That's not saying, oh, I decided to try a fad diet and I didn't lose any weight. That is saying something that parents were made to impose on their children was useless. That, that is an electoral nightmare and it's a moral travesty. And you know, even and even when you look at those numbers across with independence, that should terrify Democrats. You know. If Democrats can afford to have their own base, you know, say only 20% believe it was actively harmful, right? But when when the majority of independents are saying it was actively harmful, which they are, I believe it's 60% in that poll. That is a problem. That is a bloodbath for Democrats come November. Because they will be the ones to pay for this in the same way they paid for the school closures in the Virginia gubernatorial election last year.
3: Let's certainly hope so, Tina. Good to see you. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Buck. All right. Not everyone was criticizing Will Smith for
0: smacking comedian Chris Rock, including Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, who's apparently uh, OK with a little violent assault on stage in front of millions of people for some reason.
3: We'll have that story and more in Quick Hits. Stay with us. Turns out not everybody was mad at Will Smith for slapping Chris
0: Rock. And oh, by the way, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has a message for celebrities criticizing Florida at the Oscars. Those stories are on Quick Hits. Let's get right to it. Now, you would think that I don't like what you say I hit you is a very universally understood thing you don't do, right? That that you're not supposed to hit people just because you don't like what they say. Violence In response to words, as much as the left may wish it weren't so, is unethical. But Representative Ayanna Presley, a member of the so-called squad, praised Will Smith in a now-deleted tweet. Alopecia Nation, stand up. Thank you, Will Smith. Shout out to all the husbands who defend their wives living with alopecia in the face of daily ignorance and insult. Women uh, Women with baldness are for real men only. Boys need not apply. So she got rid of that tweet because, you know, yes, it's not nice to make fun of somebody for any kind of medical condition. You should not do that. But that also does not mean it's okay uh, to hit somebody because you don't like what they say. Kyrie Irving, the Nets superstar in the NBA, he has been a stalwart against the forced vaccination of himself and other individuals. And he is saying now that he's standing up for freedom. uh, Watch this one.
3: The point of this season for me was never to um, just take a stand. It was really to make sure that I'm standing on what I believe in in freedom. Freedom. I don't think that's a word that um, gets defined enough in our society about the freedom to make choices with your life without someone telling you what to do. Um, and whether that carries over into uh, nuances of our society that uh, you know, politicians control the government controls or um, things, people that are empowered powers may be right that control. Um, I'm standing for freedom. So that's in all facets of my life. And there's nobody that's enslaving me. There's nobody telling me that what I'm going to do with my life. And that's just the way I am. Fantastic stuff from
0: Kyrie Irving there. Speaking of fantastic stuff, Governor Ron DeSantis, I think, is sick and tired of people lying about the contents of the parental rights bill in the Florida state, which has now been signed, went through the Florida state legislature, and they brought it up at the Oscars, and they continued with this slander that it's a don't-say-gay bill, which is not true. Here's DeSantis saying he doesn't care what people say when it comes to lies about this. He holds it like a badge of honor when they attack him. Watch
1: that there's even people in Hollywood that are that are opposed um, you know to 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 providing protections for parents and enforcing parents rights you know the one
0: thing I'll say about that is if the people who held up degenerates like Harvey Weinstein up as exemplars and as heroes and as all that if those are the types of people that are opposing us on parents rights I wear that like a badge of honor (laughs) That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high. There's a battle going on right now that may be the most important fight our country's had since the Revolutionary War. Once again, it's about our freedom. People like you and me are being canceled. Our speech increasingly censored by big tech and corporate media. Can't let that happen. Time to fight back. Please stand with us and support The First TV. Be a part of our team dedicated to preserving the very essence of who we are, free Americans. Who is there for heroes of the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who the Tunnel of to the Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 Remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. the number two, t, dot, org.